Hi, this is Alexander Shia, and you are listening to Mid-Faith Crisis with Joe Davis, the real brains of this operation, and Nick Page. Does anybody know who he is? So, uh, welcome to Mid-Faith Crisis, episode 39, and I'd like to start by saying I cannot believe... You persuaded or paid our guest to say that. I mean, let me tell you something about Alexander Shire. He is a very good sport. <laughs> I mean, I know you're in love with him and all this, but really, <laughs> come on. Yeah. yeah. It was good. Is this how it's going to be with every guest in future? You just get them to abuse me. Is that how it's going to be? It is, and I think it always has been. To be <laughs> yeah, probably has actually, because I know there's a, I know there's an interview with Steve Chalk in the can somewhere that he abuses <laughs> yeah, me. So, yeah. Anyway, look, what we ought to say is that uh, this is slightly different because you are, you are not in Worthing. You are many thousands of miles away. I am. Buenas tardes, señor. <laughs> Buenas tardes. Um, yeah. You're in Mexico, is that right? I am. Mm. I am in an island off Mexico called Cozumel how lovely where yeah. my brother has lived for the last 35 years and so uh yes I'm just you know doing that what regular pastoral checkup on him it's <laughs> very good uh, of you, know. you I know what a, what a ministry I, I know I give too much sometimes. are you having a good time because you needed a holiday yeah no it's great yeah, yeah no it's very good it's a very good place to unwind and I'm very very grateful for it well you'll be glad yeah. to know it's raining here is it? And, uh, oh, I'm sorry. It's only 29 degrees and sunny here, so don't worry. <laughs> and it, look, no, it's good for you. It's good of you to uh, do it on your holiday. So we thought we thought we'd just uh, shape the interview. So we're, we're not going to do any um, feedback uh, today. We're just no. going to have the second part of the interview with Alexander Shah and no. just pick up a little bit out of that, possibly. Uh, and yeah. Uh, uh, but we just wanted to, I just wanted to interrupt Joe's holiday, to be honest. Exactly. And thank you to all the good people who have uh, written in, because that's been superb. Lots mm. of lots of good comments. And uh, yeah, no, that's been really good. Thank you. Yes. I d- actually, I did later. want to say just something about the feedback, because I felt in some respects, uh, I, I we hurried it a bit last week, in, or last time. Uh, and yeah. I felt, I feel that um, we're going to come back. I want to say to people, we're going to come back on some of those questions. So if you had a question and you thought, well, I didn't really answer that, you might have a point. And also we'll try and come back on that, I think, in future episodes. We'll come back to those a bit, I think, because uh, it was all a bit hurried last time. Um, Yes, indeed. In the meantime, there is one really important thing that I'd like to address, Joe. Yes. A vital survey that has come out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And this is, showing, uh, yeah. this is a survey of ages in British. Um, well, it says cities, but oh, uh, you right. know, look what's look what's coming. Hang here. on, what's just, coming here? Sorry, uh, just look at that. What is that? <laughs> that is enormous. A, what is it? That's a pina colada. <laughs> a pina colada. You utter. <laughs> anyway, you were saying. Do go on. <laughs> oh, look at you! That's, you could swim in that. It's yeah. <laughs> that is my sister in law Patty does make the greatest pina coladas in the world. Anyway, back to anyway, the survey. So back to this survey, yes. So the survey, which was of the ages, the average age in relative in various towns and cities. Now Oxford, near which I live, yeah. uh, has the second youngest 
uh, population in in the UK. Is that that's right? We all it? know where this is going. Yes. And I wonder if you can guess, everybody, what the second oldest population is in the UK is. Where's where might that be, Joe? That would be the great city of Worthing. The great that's because. <laughs> because it's brilliant no one wants to leave so they come and then they never leave the, That's great, why. the great retirement city of Worthing <laughs> it's like Elephant's like, Graveyard even Eastbourne is lower down the list I it was in Blackpool was I think something number... like Southport or Blackpool wasn't it yeah, yeah something like yeah, that, that the, that, number, the, the oldest me. population but when I saw Worthing <laughs> when I saw two things when I saw firstly they were calling Worthing a city which I think is push, pushing it a bit because I'm not aware that Worthing's got a cathedral. Well, it, no, it hasn't got a cathedral, but I, but my house is there. That's true. It's true. It's got a cult centre. Um, so, <laughs> exactly. so Worthing is the the second. So you live in the <laughs> second oldest place in the UK uh, for yeah. age of people there, and I live in the second youngest, and that says everything. I think about yes, it. Yes. Anyway, look, we I won't... You are the second oldest out of... No, I'm the second oldest out of you and I. You are, Hang actually, on, yeah. got that wrong. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so how much of that pina colada have you had? Anyway, <laughs> Too much. so I think uh, we ought to listen to the rest of this interview. Uh, set yes. it up for us, Joe, a little bit more about this, part two of the interview with Alexander Shire, your new best friend forever. Yes, exactly. Well, um, Really, last week we were just sort of preparing the ground, really. So this week, what he's going in is to the more into detail of the fourfold journey, and especially how the Gospels, the four Gospels that we have in our Bibles, relate to that fourfold journey. So enjoy. Hello, and welcome back to Alexander Shire, part two, who I've given the freedom of my office to. <laughs> welcome back. Thank you, Joe. The freedom of your office. Now, that's really? an interesting metaphor. I know. Have you seen the shelf? The oh, religious artifacts oh, shelf. Oh, I have to turn around. Yeah, so we got so we got yeah. some Jesus soap there, which oh. says washes will wash away your sins. Oh, we, I got, need I need that. We've got Jesus bandages. No, no I don't want the various. bandages. I don't want the thing. Yeah, anyway. Uh, cool. So welcome back. <coughs> I deliberately wanted to save the best till last. Um because you have written this book, Heart and Mind. And, uh, it Heart is... and Mind, the, the Four Gospel Journey for Radical Transformation, second edition. Second edition. <laughs> Available from? Available from Amazon, uh, either as paperback or Kindle. But genuinely, a lot of Christian books are sort of recycled or people bring together you know, other people's stuff and, you know, yeah. legitimately marketing it for a new, uh, a new group of people. But you've done something really radically pretty new here, I think. Thank you. I hope so. I mean, and I love the word radical, which means to go to the root. Right. Right. And for me, the root of early Christianity was that they knew the map of transformation. We had assumed it from our Jewish mother. Right. And the map was good. Yeah. All we needed to do as Christians was to add the impact and story of Jesus's life, death, and resurrection to the map that we already knew. Right. And the Jewish map had four places in the journey with God. Okay. So early Christianity, therefore, I mean, we the very first thing written about the gospel text, about a choice of gospel text, is by this guy in the second century of the name Irenaeus, Bishop Irenaeus. Yeah. And he writes this um, 
letter uh, entitled Against Heresy. But here's the first thing that he says about the choice of gospel text. He says, we know the revelation is one, O-N-E, one, whole. But it must have four accounts. Irenaeus does not say we're going to go collect the correct stories of Jesus. And we know that there are correct words and passages of Jesus that were not put put together in, in the Bible. He sets the basis of the, of the gospel text as we must have four accounts. And I'm not aware that anyone else was curious enough about this to go try to figure out what he meant by four. Why four? Why, if we're going to have the correct story of yeah. Jesus, why four? Until... The key is that the Jewish metaphor for the journey with God had four parts. Mm -hmm. And the Jewish metaphor comes from the Passover festival. And I won't tell that full story here other than to say the four parts of the Passover festival is I'm a slave in Egypt. I go with Yahweh and Moses to the wilderness. Third part is I come into the promised land. Fourth part is 200 years of making the promised land our ordinary everyday reality. And this is back to this universal story. Right. And and that's got the same echo of what Joseph Campbell is. I was a slave in Egypt. Joseph Campbell's word heard the summons. I went out into the wilderness. Joseph Campbell, we have to face great trials and obstacles. I came across the Jordan into the promised land, Joseph Campbell. I received the gift or the boon. And and the fourth part of Joseph Campbell is, and then I have to return to community with larger responsibility. And for the Israelites, it took them 200 years to make the promised land their everyday nation. Mm. That's the pattern. And it's a cyclical pattern, and you're in all four places at once, which is the annoying part okay. of life. Yeah. So it's not... Can't it be I mean, a bit more linear? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like your love life may be in one, and your professional life in another, yeah. and your life with your kids in a third one, et cetera. Yeah. So, um, but there it is. And, and early Christendom did this fourness, and I don't want to get in discussions of Trinity, and I'm not trying to... I mean, Trinity is a very holy piece of this. But their metaphor for the journey was four. And therefore, what I'm describing is they knew the journey. And so they were trying to discern which of all the 50 gospel texts best tells the story of, quote unquote, I'm a slave in Egypt. And for that, they rightly discerned the text that we call Matthew, which is the text of how I face change. How I wake up and face change again. The entire Gospel of Matthew I'm describing is the story told as the life of Jesus, but it's the story of Jesus in us helping us wake up and face change again. Wow. The second text that they were looking for was the text of, of being in the wilderness likened to death. And for that piece of the journey, they chose the text of Mark how I face moments of great suffering. The third part of the journey is coming into the promised land. And for that text, they chose the, the, uh, the gospel of John. Hearing deeply God's new voice. And then fourthly, the text of uh, making the promise my everyday reality, they chose the text of the gospel of Luke and Acts. 
And the, the, the whole story of Luke and Acts is how do I mature by serving? And so there we have what I believe and what I'm describing is the early Christians were giving us the story of Jesus in us as the path of transformation. So say that again. Jesus in, in us as the, the path. path of transformation. And so Jesus becomes our great teacher or our avatar, if you want to use that word yeah. today, teaching us through what he did and how he answered those realities in us um, and showing us the path of transformation. And, and these gospels are Semitic and being Lebanese, I'm Semitic. And if you went to a Semitic great teacher in those days, they didn't give you a, a, an epistemological analysis of the problem. And here's A and here's B and here's C. The elder gave you a story. And inside the story is the lesson. But you have to take that story and wrestle with it to find out what the lesson is for you in this moment. Ah, this is so great. Because, of course, part, part of the mid-faith crisis is this whole tension of, I just can't really make sense of the Bible. And I think, in all honesty, we, we, we stop reading it because we feel like, oh, yeah, yeah, we know what that says. Yeah, there's a there's a Bible that and, and, and in any case we sort of although we're never trained to do is we kind of syncretize them all together. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Gospel. Yeah, yeah, we we've got yeah, the Gospels and you know we're, we we know what they say kind of thing. But you're saying no, no, no. They're each addressing these key uh, key areas of the human right. journey, and they're totally logical. They, they, I mean, we need a little bit of understanding about why each text was written, because understanding who the text was written for, like Matthew is written for the Jewish Christian community right after the temple has been destroyed and the Jewish priesthood has been massacred. And people think that this is the most horrible moment that the planet has ever seen. And it may be the end times. Yeah. And the lesson of Matthew is every time you think it's the end time, it's the beginning time. Hmm. I mean, it's it's yeah. underneath. I mean, read the chapter in my book. It's hmm. underneath yeah. oh, every every <laughs> line of that that passage. Because remember, in Judaism, that the new day starts at sundown, and Matthew keeps coming back to that over and over again in his text. When the sun is going down in your life, when you're in a moment of darkness, this is not the end time. This is the beginning time. Darkness is the time that we sit in God's womb and are reborn. Mm. If you think that darkness equals end time, you're not doing Christianity. I don't know what you're doing, but you're not doing Christianity because darkness in Christianity is the utter place of holiness where God starts working with us again. Wow. And that is such a hopeful message. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that's, that's really the core message that Matthew wants to give. And he does it by gathering together all the stories of Jesus that bear on his message. So we have thought for hundreds of years that we were looking at these texts as stories which tell us about a biological life, like almost like a biography. Yeah. No, what's what what the reason that that Matthew's story is told the way Matthew tells it and the way that, that Matthew's choice of which stories to tell and which stories not to tell is he's trying to tell the stories of how in a time of utter chaos 
you can wake up and start the journey again. Every story that he chooses is giving an aspect of that part of life that we all know. We know it in big ways and we know it in small ways, but we all know that place where we think in some ways it's over. Okay. And And how do I start again? And that's a great starting place for people who are thinking, "Mm, Yeah, I just don't know what I think anymore. It seems dark. I don't know, some it light's going to come again. I mean, I, I, somebody today who doesn't feel like they're in darkness, I would be a little concerned about. This is not an easy moment on the planet. Yeah. But our tradition says that the difficulty of this moment tells us how large the new change is that we're in the process of birthing. Right. Great. So there's a great bit of hope. Absolutely. Well, and, and yeah. what the four gospel journey will say is, the the beginning virtue in Christianity is hope. But hope is a transitional virtue to knowing. Okay, so keep keep us going on this fourfold path. All right. So the so the the next text, and I really think about the the, the gospels not as books in themselves, but as chapters of the book. Okay. Then the first chapter is Matthew. The second chapter is Mark, and Mark is the wilderness, because once you start on the place of growth, things seem to get harder. In truth, they really don't, but it's like now we're feeling and thinking about things that we've been holding back for so long. And so actually we begin to experience old pain, but our ego thinks it's new pain. (laughs) Uh, the, The text of Mark he is written to the Christians in Rome after Rome is burned uh, in July of 64. Yeah. And Nero has fingered the Jewish Christian community for execution. And the soldiers are going around and they're knocking on doors. Are you a believer in the Christus? And if you say yes, you and your entire family are going to be taken to the Circus Maximus and, mm-hmm. and summarily killed. This text becomes how by the power of the resurrection... Can I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? Mm-hmm. And so in the in the text of Mark, Mark doesn't have any of the flowers and the, the chocolates and the sweet melodies. Mm-hmm. Mark is very stark. It's bleak, yeah. But it's but it's but it's the bleakness of someone who doesn't know resurrection. This chapter is about how if you understand resurrection in your life, present moment resurrection in your life, which means in this moment, I can have hope when other people are in despair. In this moment, I can grow larger in my heart and in my ability to love, even though I'm in difficult times. Um, That's what resurrection means in Mark. And when, when you know that reality, then you have um, uh, you have a ground to walk on through really, really hard days. Mm. Mm. Um, okay. So the the third uh, yeah. chapter of, of this one gospel is John. And oh, now hang on, now that's controversial, isn't it? Uh, well, it's it's we we don't understand the ancient sequence of reading the gospels because we're looking at the sequence that we have in the Bible. Yeah. And, um, but the ancient sequence is the, the, this third place is John. It's the gift. It's receiving the gift. It's receiving the boon. And uh, just, just before uh, you go, on, and, and, and there's historic evidence that they read Matthew, Mark, John, Luke. Is that what you're saying? 
Uh, that was the sequence that they read in their personal life, and they understood that John is the third part. When they read John on yes. Sundays, yes. they read with intent. They read John with Matthew. They read John with Mark, and they read John with Luke. Okay. Because they were saying uh, in the assembly on Sundays that the grace of hearing the new voice of God is in the moment that you're trying to wake up and face change. The grace of hearing the new moment of God is in the midst of your trials and obstacles. Uh, The grace of hearing the new voice of God was as you're trying to serve a population that you don't know, a new population and a new question that you've never faced before. I mean, service for the early Christians was was like landing on Mars. You're on a new planet, and you've got to have that other person teach you how you serve them. It's like service is not, I'm, I'm bringing you my answer. Service is listening to what your question is and developing a way to, to give you what, you what you need. Anyway. Well, okay, so the um, question. All right, so, so John is coming out of the community of Ephesus, and Ephesus is the first Christian community that's more like us today in terms yeah. of its pan-tribal. Okay. And, and do we realize that Christianity is the first tradition on historical record, which is pan-tribal. There may have been other traditions that tried this and they didn't leave a record behind and they didn't endure. But Christianity is the first tradition which not only says all people are equal and come from one source, Judaism says that beautifully, but Judaism never went the next step, which is to say, we have a table, and it no longer matters who your mother is. It no longer matters whose blood flows in you. It no longer matters if you are wealthy or poor. It no longer matters if you are male or female. It no longer matters whether you come in from the eastern provinces or the western provinces. I don't know what that would be here in in the UK, whether it's Wales or Scotland or or, or Sussex or or. You know, it no longer, and I want to say it no longer matters whether you're gay or straight. It no longer matters. None of that matters. We've got a table. Yeah. Come. Yeah. And for the first time, now just try to think about how difficult it may be for us today, 2,000 years later. But for the first time, you have people trying to sit at table with each other who have been, who have grown up their whole lives thinking of the other as the enemy Mm. or the stranger. Or, or not even human. And so the text of John is a text about the diversity of the world is not to be resolved. The diversity of the world is the jewel and the diadem of our tradition. We welcome such folly. Really, it's this, it's this yeah. radical, radical folly that yeah. we would welcome diversity. And we, John's text is about, Christianity is not about uniformity. John's text is about the diadem, the bouquet of diversity that we bend together for harmony. Yeah, wow. That diversity is our strength. And that underlies each, each gospel that un- story. That underlines the entirety of John's text. Uh, the, the making of harmony from diversity. Yeah. Um, and so then finally we come to uh, the fourth part of the great story, which is uh, I have to return to, to community with larger responsibility. And 
the the early Christians discern the text of Luke Acts for this fourth part. And what's going on in Luke Acts is we believe that this text is actually composed in Antioch, but it's a book that's being taken to all the emerging Christian uh, communities late first century because at this point, late first century, we have been made outlaws before the emperor. And the reason that we've been made outlaws is not because of the name of Jesus, uh, no disrespect, but the emperor just had one concern. Are you going to keep the good order of my empire? Hmm. And what we were doing was not keeping the good order of the empire. Um, we were saying, if you have wealth, you have a responsibility to the poor. It's not a Roman value that the emperor wanted. We were saying, if you are a woman, uh, you have dignity and, and stature. That was not part of the Roman Empire. If you are a slave, you're human. Yeah. That was not part of the Roman <laughs> Empire. Um, if you are from the eastern provinces or the western provinces, uh, come together, brother and sister. Uh, Rome wanted the provinces fighting with each other because it kept the army at bay. Mm. Uh, he would much prefer yeah. to have them squabbling with each other than uniting against him. Yeah. So for all, of, for all of these reasons of justice making that we were doing, we became outlaws. Right. And then we became liable for execution. And yeah. the, the, then the entire text of Luke is um, how we will serve in the name of love. And yes, we will speak truth to power. But there's a second half of that, which a lot of us struggle with. We will speak truth to power in love. No matter that you want to kill us, we will not demonize you. Wow. We will fight your values, but we will not fight your body. And this is why early Christians could not be part of the, the, uh, the army. Uh, and that we willingly agreed to have recriminations against us. Uh, we agreed to have the downward spiral. We were not going to get the best neighborhoods. We were not going to get the schools for our kids. We were not going to get health care because we were Christian. And yet we said, there is a value that is greater than my own life that's worth my giving my life for. And 225 years of being an outlaw and being executed. And the Roman Empire fell with hardly a battle because we changed the ethos. We changed the value system of an empire by doing the work of one heart, one heart, one heart, one heart, one heart, one heart, one heart. And... You know, we're, we're up against it today, and there's this message that yeah. we don't have enough power, we don't have enough time, we can't affect enough change. And I want to bring us back to, to Luke's message to all of us. Yeah. One heart, one heart, one heart. One, leave the rest to God. One heart, one heart, one heart. And don't ever fall into the delusion that you create a just society by passing laws. Hmm. Yes, we need laws. We need good politicians. We need laws. But transformation is the transformation of a heart, a heart, a heart. Uh, this is so inspiring because I think, I suppose that the earlier parts of the Christian journey are about 
you know, if you're a broken soul and you find a home and a group to belong to and, a, you know, a, a sort of religious club, I'm being a bit unkind mm -hmm. maybe in saying that, but, you know, that's that's a good function for a little while. But it's not inspiring enough. Mm -hmm. it, it can't hold you there. Yeah. But what you're talking about is, is, is really coming home to yourself, to mm -hmm. who you really are, to yeah. being fully human, being yeah. fully alive, present here with God, with the divine, with Christ. And uh, that's, a, that's a big message we've got to recover, isn't it? It is. One heart, brother, one heart, one heart. <laughs> No, that's look, all. That's my you, my work is about going around the world. You have whetted our appetite. How? So how do we get hold of? What's what's Quadratus? What's what's that organization all about? Okay, this is this is my name for the four path journey. Okay. Of which um, the book Heart and Mind is telling the journey as we see it as Christians in 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 the four Gospels. Yeah. But go to my website and yeah. it's just think quad. Yeah. Q-U-A-D, quad, quad, for four, for four. ra, R-A, yeah. T-O-S, quadratos.com. Quad um, I think also if you if you typed in Google, and I think if you put in Alexander in four Gospels, you would get me. Yeah. Uh, wow. But uh, we have this beautiful new website we that do. we're, rolling, we're rolling out right. this week. Yeah. Uh, and with all these this nice. visual imagery of the yeah. four paths. So we can and, order the book there, or we can order it off Amazon. You can order it. There's a link on my website. But we can also... And go directly to Amazon. Great. Worldwide, English, worldwide, Amazon, Kindle or paperback. But here's another thing uh, for our listeners. And, and many of them, you know, are sort of wondering what to do in groups and how could they... We can... There's such a thing as quadratus groups. There are. Kind of small groups. There Say are. a little bit about that and what's available and how that works. Well, one of the things that, I mean, there's so much good material out there, but what's unique or, or what the perspective is that this material has to offer is the map. Who of us go on a journey without having the map? Hmm. And um, so I, we developed, we're calling the guides along with the Heart and Mind book. Hmm. That It's not a book study. It's about taking the material of the book and helping you experience the map the journey inside yourself. Yeah. Uh, and so, and those, and the, the guides are available on the Quadratus website for yeah. uh, for purchase and for download. They come back to you as PDFs. Yeah, terrific. I, my hope is that two people or six people or maybe even as much as 10 or 12 people will come together. This, yeah. this is not, I mean, small groups, small house churches. Oh, this is what's going on ar around, around the world. Wherever I go, literally yeah. around the world, after I give these big talks, people come up to me and they go, well, would you come to my house on Monday night? Would you come to my house yeah, on Thursday and night? I did exactly that to And you. there sorry. are house churches. This is the biggest thing going on in Christianity that nobody's talking about. Why is house that? churches Why everywhere? Is no one talking about it? It's I don't know what it is. I think people feel somehow um I don't know whether it's shameful or a little uh, oh, unsure I, of themselves. I, yeah, I think so. But it but it is this powerful fresh movement that's bringing a tremendous amount of revitalization back. I think it's true because, you know, I always joke about it, it's a cult and everything, but in truth, I don't know how to describe it. And maybe I'm a bit apologetic sometimes because I don't, yeah, we can't really call ourselves a church. We don't have a building. We meet in my dining room, for goodness right. sake, you know, but 
It's a so thing. It is a thing. And you're saying and, it's and, a thing all over the world. It is. Yeah. And and part of my reason, I mean, there's a lot of good material out there for, for, for small gatherings. What this material adds is it gives people a sense of the journey. And I really want people to know. I want people to know that when they come into a dark time, it's the beginning of the journey. It's not the end. I want them to know that that as, as they endure through that dark time, there there is going to be trial. There is going to be confusion. There is going to be uncertainty. It's all part of the journey. It's yeah. just it's just like yeah. there's no know, other way. Th- there's to do no it. other way. It's like when you look yeah. at the map, you that mountain up there. You've got to go over the mountain. You can't. Yeah. There's no way around that yeah. mountain. It's just part of it's just part yeah. of the journey. And it's like I don't want to add strife for anybody, but I want people to know that a lot of what they fight against is just something that just is. Yeah. And stop fighting what is and just, just walk. Uh, um, and, but you'll get over that mountain and there's going to be an incredible new place over there. Yeah. And that's the Gospel of John, that incredible new place. And one of the things that's so powerful about John is John says God is always sending us on a journey of ever-increasing awareness and understanding. So the, the tragic figure of John is Nicodemus, who is, who's got this seminary professor from his early yeah. years who taught him a whole bunch of stuff, and he stopped thinking at that moment. And Jesus comes along and says, but God is wider, Nicodemus, yeah. and Nicodemus can't go there because his tradition is about a tradition which is permanent rather than understanding that the permanence is in the ongoing evolution of wow. our God. Not our God evolving, but we evolving in our understanding and our experience of yes. God. That's what, you know. Yeah. So so Nicodemus is stuck in the tribal question with Jesus. You know, how can you take a person and put them back in, a, in, in, in the womb and be reborn? And the question that Nicodemus is asking is, Jesus, we know that our, my tradition teaches that it's only if you have Jewish blood in you that you have the privilege of knowing Yahweh. How can you take someone who does not have Jewish blood in them and put them back in a Jewish mother's womb and give them Jewish blood, therefore giving them the ability to know this wider understanding of God? It's a tribal question. Nicodemus is the sad believer in natural law. And any time somebody argues natural law, they have set themselves against the Spirit because the Spirit is constantly doing something new today, which tradition will give us part of the answer, but it's only part of the answer. If we only listen, listen to tradition, we're, we're doing a dead faith. Wow. It's the Nicodemus phenomena. Yeah. Yeah. I know my tradition has always told me from yeah. the first moment yeah. of time, yeah. only <laughs> if you have Jewish blood yeah. can you know God. How can you change that? That's natural law, Jesus. Are you changing natural law, Jesus? And Jesus will say, do you know where the wind comes from? So that there's that. So I want you to know that over that mountain is a new understanding that you have to live into. You can't get there in a moment. You got to go on a journey. And that's and then, the great thing about this book, because again, it's not it's not just a book study. Right. It's, uh, it's, it's well, let's just bring your life to no. this stuff Mm-mm. and to these it's gospels. Jesus, it's experiencing the journey of Jesus in you. Yeah. Wow. 
And the book is just a touchstone to help you reflect on where that experience is in your life and how that experience and how Jesus in you teaches you what you need right now. Well, that sounds like a remarkably uh, good book to have written. I hey. am very grateful well, to have this message. Well, I am very grateful to you because I know there are a whole bunch of Christian friends of mine who are, are kind of stuck in that deconstructed place. And it's like, okay, we deconstruct. We know it's broke. We know it needs fixing. But we don't know what to do now. And you're one of those rare authors, and there's a few others who are beloved, um, who are really speaking and writing into that space to say, hey, there's mm -hmm. hope. Thank and you. Uh, you bring that hope. So thank you so much. Uh, Joe, my thanks to you and, and to all of your listeners, uh, peace and grace. And um, if you're on the journey to Easter, may resurrection be true in your life today. Thank you. Thank you. Bless you. Thanks. Yeah, so that was uh, Alexander Shah talking to Joe in uh, the retirement town of Worthing sometime uh, earlier last month. Um, <laughs> so good. Joe, uh, tell me about it. The, 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 what excited you about this, um, these ideas that he was sharing? Yeah, I mean, I know there's not all mainstream, but I suppose I think what what really excites me about this, particularly in this season of Easter, is it brings it right back into our lives, into the reality that we are experiencing and sharing right now at this moment. So, for example, if I'm honest, Easter used to be, especially when I was in ministry, you know, more full time. And by ministry, I don't mean coming to Mexico and drinking pina coladas. <laughs> That is a ministry. But, you know, when I was in ministry full time, you know, you go, you rehearse the story every year. You rehearse the story of the, uh, the, the, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And it's a great story. It's a powerful story. And you know it should be important. It is important. And I think it ends up giving you this kind of hope that, you know, when you die, you too will be resurrected. And so there's that sort of nice thought about... Uh, you know, life after death, mm. I guess. And that's that's good, and that's a great comfort for Christians. And I think probably the more you suffer in this life, probably the more important that hope is, I suspect. Mm. But what, looking at the the Easter story and, and, and this fourfold journey does, is it, and, and, and viewing, um, I suppose, the story of Jesus in us, is it saying no? This is this Easter story isn't just a, a nice story about how we are resurrected after we die. This is a, this is the actual story of our lives and the death and resurrection that's going on in our lives right now today mm. in these areas. So, I think that's what particularly excited me about some of the stuff that he was saying. That it's 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 for here, it's for now, it's the journey of your life. There's death, there's resurrection going on in our lives, in the cosmos. I mean, I, I think about the death and resurrection going on in the universe because I like the stars and I like quasars and I like the, you know, black holes and all that stuff and stars exploding and stars collapsing and all that kind of stuff. And there's, at a, ma at a sort of quantum level, there's, or a cellular level, there's, there's stuff in my body dying and yet there's new stuff happening. And this is also the story of our lives. There's death, there's resurrection. And the question is, where is there's death? In your life at the moment mm. and the easter story tells me i don't need to be afraid of that mm, there's absolutely. resurrection the others the other side of it 
Yeah, so that's really good. He had a great quote in there. Those are some He's... of the things that I got out of it. I yeah, think, really. so he had a great quote in there. He was saying, um, if you think uh, darkness equals the end time, you're not doing Christianity right, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Which I really liked, and I think that's, I liked that. that's true. And, and he also said darkness is the place of holiness, where yes. God starts working with us. Yeah. And I think that's a fantastic... If only we could embrace that. If we're, you know, if any of our listeners are in darkness now, of your own making or externally or whatever the darkness that's come over you what instead of wishing it all away supposing you view that as the place of holiness where god wants to work with you and will work with you and will bring resurrection life there's hope there for us oh. mm. very good well i mean so i think it. you know i think it's fascinating I'd, I'd like to read the book i have i think quite a lot of uh if I'm honest, questions and reservations about the historical statements in there. Yeah, because um, yeah. you know, I I know a little bit about that, and um, you know, I think you know a lot about it, you modest man. Yeah, well, I think when you look at somebody like Irenaeus talking about the four Gospels, which he, he does in, in uh, chapter eleven of the yeah. Against Heresies, he he does give some very strange reasons for why there are four Gospels. He says at one point there are four Gospels because we've got four wins. Oh, right. Okay, fair enough. But I mean, what he's yeah. in arguing for is actually sort of like a kind of entirety idea. You know, yeah. that the, there were four corners of the earth, there were four winds, there were four seasons, yeah. you know, all this kind yeah. of stuff. He doesn't mention anything about story. And so I think, you yeah. know, I think I think there's there were some statements sure. in there that I would want to know what the sources were. Yeah. But I, I don't feel I want to pick up on him too much on that because I haven't read the book. So I don't know what is what the evidence is on that. What I did exactly. like was the you know and i think we've talked about this a fair bit was the emphasis on story and the importance of story and, and where you yeah. are in that and i liked that um that idea that that, that there's a path here there's a map i think that's a yeah. really powerful idea um yeah you know jesus gives us a path of transformation i think is a yeah. is a really good uh, you know is yeah. a great thing so you know i think there's lots to think about and i'm sure there's lots to pick up on out yeah and we'd love to hear what what listeners you, you know have to say about it do 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 send in your comments and thoughts and questions to um to joe at midfaithcrisis.org yes yeah we'd love to hear from you as always so i think we'll pick up on it in future weeks and uh you know come back on it and when you've sobered up from that enormous pina colada <laughs> that you are still drinking flagrantly yeah. in front of me <laughs> I know. Well, you're the one who's normally drinking at times like this. It's just payback time. I know. Well, it is. Uh, I do appreciate you doing this on your holiday. I'm no, no, no. It's, it's great. It's great. And thanks again to everyone who's written in uh, at this time. Sorry if I'm delaying writing back to you. But that's that's how it is. Well, These there we go. We'll... aren't going to drink themselves. No, we'll do a feedback <laughs> episode and we'll pick up on some stuff uh, next time. And uh, in the meantime, we'd love to wish you a really blessed Easter. And, yes, uh, indeed. You know, uh, a recognition that there is new life and new hope uh, all around and in our lives as well and the triumph of life over death amen amen to that so yes uh, have a great easter thank you for listening uh we'll be with you in a couple of weeks time and joe enjoy the rest of your holiday hey thanks buddy mm-hmm.